And now, America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. Another great week, in fact. But is it a great day? Is it a great week? Is it a great new start for Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House of Representatives? Or is this the end of the line for him? Has he betrayed somehow conservative ideals by protecting America from a disastrous default and from an economic collapse? 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number. I think there's every reason in the world for people to be happy about the deal that Kevin McCarthy put together. And as I said last week, uh, Kevin McCarthy has shown himself beyond anyone's expectations a a very capable, outstanding Speaker of the House. Somebody that has kept his caucus together, who was able to pass a Republican bill raising the debt ceiling along with some conditions and then to negotiate very successfully with President Biden getting not everything that Republicans wanted, not uh, uh, maybe even most of what Republicans wanted. But certainly Republicans got more out of this deal than Democrats. And uh, there's a question that is posed by um, by Charlie Sykes in the Bulwark this morning. He asked the question, who won the debt fight? And um, he makes the case that uh, as we all return to our abnormal lives today, new abnormal lives today, I know that the last thing anyone wants to read is another rundown of the winners, losers, and the pointless scrum over raising the debt limit. Maybe they are all right and wrong at the same time. Being a last-minute, barring a last-minute suicide bombing by the Freedom Caucus, we may have avoided a catastrophic default. The answer is, who won? Was it Republicans or Democrats? America won on this one. Because there was absolutely no purpose to be served, none at all, in terms of uh, going forward to a default and a recession and to a market crash and all of the difficulties that would happen if uh, we didn't get something done by January, uh, pardon me, June the 1st. And now they've moved it. Uh, uh, the uh, Secretary of the Treasury, Janet Yellen, has moved the deadline from June the 1st to June the 5th. Okay, so it's not much difference. Gives them a little bit more time to get this through the House of Representatives and, and then through the Senate. Uh, the Senate should be okay. There are uh, enough Republican senators who are going along with this deal and the great majority of Democratic senators the house is more complicated and uh, they say that there was a house freedom caucus press conference today and uh today uh representative bishop of north carolina was the only republican at the house freedom caucus press conference the freedom caucus the more hardline republican segment of the house uh republican caucus uh, he raised his hand to signal that he would favor ousting Kevin McCarthy over the deal. 
which conservative Republicans say does not cut enough spending and raises the debt limit too much. I think it's got to be done, Bishop said after the press conference The Hill reported. Now, the irony of that, or the scary part of that, is he can do it. Because the way it works in the House of Representatives, and it was a condition of uh, Kevin McCarthy getting elected Speaker of the House, is even one member of the House can uh, actually uh, force a new election as to who becomes Speaker. Now, I I don't think that at, at this level... The Republicans or any Republicans are going to be foolish enough to try to uh, get rid of Kevin McCarthy. The results, if they play around with something, that's probably that they'd end up with Hakeem Jeffries, the Democrat, as Speaker of the House, even though the Democrats, by a very slight margin, are in the minority. I mean, the entire thing, Kevin McCarthy wrote a very fine piece today in Wall Street Journal and I'm glad they uh, they printed it because it basically makes the case that this uh, deal that they put together is going to help every side of the country. And uh, uh, to, to get that uh, deal uh, forward, the piece that McCarthy wrote is that wasteful government doesn't have to keep growing. And he says in the Wall Street Journal today, the American people know that Democrats spending addiction has caused significant problems, including the inflation that has broken family budgets. Interest rate hikes in response to inflationary spending caused three of the largest bank failures in history in the past several months. Everyone knows that this is unsustainable and irresponsible. But to change course, we need to change how Washington operates. House Republicans never gave up. While the president ducked negotiations and Senate Democrats were missing in action, Republicans passed a bill that forced Mr. Biden to the table and changed the paradigm. With the introduction of the Fiscal Responsibility Act, we are changing the direction in Washington through a responsible debt limit increase that cuts spending, saves taxpayers money, and restores economic growth. And yes, it does that. And um, one of the things that it does is it removes the danger of another debt ceiling crisis in the next few months. It moves the next debt ceiling issue to January of 2025. What's significant about January of 2025? That's when uh, the new president, presumably, or Joe Biden, if he gets reelected, January of 2025 is when there is the next inauguration. Uh, Meanwhile, there is a new candidate, yet another new candidate, jumping into the, uh, the Republican fight for the nomination. There is a very peculiar strategy being laid out by... Uh, Ron DeSantis, who's had, I mean, aside from the Twitter announcement that was so ill-fated for him, he said a number of things that are just very difficult to understand. He is now talking about offering Donald Trump a pardon. No, no, really. Uh, First of all, is that supposed to endear him to Trump supporters to sort of give uh, encouragement to Trump supporters to shift over from Trump? 
to supporting DeSantis. Uh, we will get to that issue. We'll also be talking to Ian Rowe, who is putting together a new curriculum. This is in place of the 1619 Project. It's in place of critical race theory, and it's why it is so important. We've also had a very rough weekend. Uh, there was a great deal of fighting over what? Well, first of all, there was a drone attack, what they call a kamikaze drone attack on Moscow. And uh, people are saying it was the worst attack on Russian soil since World War II. There were also nine who were shot in Hollywood, Florida. And uh, in Chicago, Memorial Day weekend, 50 wounded in shootings. At least 11 killed. Isn't that unbelievable? And nine shot in Hollywood, Florida, in one of the most popular beaches in the country. There was also a teenage mob that attacked uh, three self-described Marines on a California beach over a fight about setting off fireworks. I mean, this was a beautiful beach in San Clemente, California. That's part of Orange County in California. Uh, all, all of this indicating that some of our problems go deeper than the debt ceiling. We will get to the debt ceiling, uh, hear the defenses by Kevin McCarthy, and uh, what happens next. They need to get it done by June 5th. Can they do it? The chances are they can. We will get to that and more coming up on The Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved show, uh, there are lots of um, detailed breakdowns of what is in the deal. Uh, that's the debt ceiling deal that would keep our government operating, would uh, keep our troops in the field, uh, would keep Social Security checks coming, would allow us to avoid some kind of uh, cataclysmic breakdown. We've never had a default in this country. It's never happened before. Uh, last time we came close to it, which was in 2011, the credit rating in the United States was downgraded. And uh, the idea that uh, when, when people used to use the phrase sound as a dollar, the idea that our currency, that uh, our financial state was the most reliable in the world. This has been an enormous, enormous source of American power. The uh, uh, Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, who again, I congratulate on his role in getting this deal and negotiating this deal with Joe Biden, who was very reluctant to negotiate any deal at all. He wanted and was insisting on just a, quote, clean debt increase. Uh, but well, the deal comes with all sorts of good things. It comes with a pay-as-you-go feature, which indicates that in the future, if the Democrats want to spend extra money on discretionary domestic spending, uh, they are going to have to introduce those bills. They're going to have to introduce that kind of extra spending together with the source of where the money comes from. So it doesn't uh, reach uh, that we're just borrowing more. 
This was Speaker McCarthy on uh, the tentative deal that still has to pass the House and the Senate, and then it will be signed by President Biden. Uh, here's Speaker McCarthy, clip 12. There is so much in this that's positive, and measure it to all the other debt ceilings. When Republicans had the presidency, the Senate, and the House, did they ever cut spending? No, they increased it. We were able to do this when the president said he wasn't even going to talk to us. This is really a step in the right direction. It puts us a trajectory that's different. We put a statutory cap on only spending 1% for the next six years. So we let government grow, but at a slower rate. And a much slower rate, a rate that actually is slower than the rate of inflation. And that is one of the good things about this deal is it should bring down inflation uh, dramatically, should help with that regard and, and help keep the unemployment rate low, which it is right now. Here is the uh, Democratic leader of the House, Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries of New York, and uh, talking about how this really is in the hands now of Republicans who showed they could get together and to pass a, uh, a, a tentative debt ceiling increase together with some changes. There are actually more changes and better changes that are in this final deal. And uh, here's a speaker, not speaker, he wants to be speaker, but the House Minority Leader Jeffries, uh, clip 18. Uh, my message is exactly what I just communicated, but we will continue uh, to have a family conversation throughout the day, uh, later on this evening, and tomorrow in terms of the caucus. What we all are interested in is how many votes are the Republicans who negotiated this resolution going to produce. Initially, we heard that 95% of the House Republican Conference supports the agreement. That doesn't appear to be the case. But what we also are committed to making sure occurs is that the House Republicans keep their promise to produce at least 150 votes, period, full stop. Okay, that 150 votes means they could lose the whole Freedom Caucus. There are, what is it, there are 222 Republicans, I believe, and uh, Hakeem Jeffries is saying they need to produce 150 votes. They should be able to get that. The Freedom Caucus did a news conference today, and, and this again is the people who very predictably are opposed to making this deal. Now, I'm not sure what the thinking is. But I, I do believe that some people have been very direct in expressing uh, their notion that if the economy collapses, if we have a default, if things go really terribly for this country and American power and economic viability and the job situation, the inflation situation, all of that is damaged. Uh, because we have a default, because we don't have an agreement to raise the debt ceiling. Not only are we eventually going to get an agreement to raise the debt ceiling anyway, but we will have done a whole bunch of damage in the interim. But well, what's the point? What do you win? A lot of the people in the Freedom Caucus believe that if there is that kind of a disaster, Joe Biden will be blamed. Uh, people already think, a majority of Americans, that he is not capable because of his age and his senility and because 
he doesn't know where he is and he doesn't know if he's alive, as President Trump has said. And that uh, if there is that disaster, because he is the president of the United States, then he will be blamed, not the Republicans in the House. Uh, and this is where Byron Donalds, the uh, congressman from Florida, a uh, black Republican congressman from Florida, considered very much an up-and-comer in the House of Representatives, he says that this new debt limit bill, the new agreement that was reached with President Biden between President Biden and Speaker McCarthy, just isn't cool. Uh, listen, clip 20. While you were celebrating Memorial Day, all of our men and women who gave their lives for this great nation, and you were spending time with your family and your friends, this town was cutting another crap deal that's going to put you more in debt with no real changes whatsoever. So the American people need to understand full and well, do not listen to the talking points. Do not listen to the cool phrases that are being thrown out in commercials on CNN or Fox or MSNBC, because Washington is lying again. This bill has no cap in raising the debt, just a date in the future. We have no idea what that number is going to look like. Some people are saying $4 trillion, Some people are saying $3.5 trillion. This bill in year one might cut $12 billion if you just want to be generous. So who here thinks it's cool to cut $12 billion in exchange for $4 trillion? I don't think that's cool at all. Uh, I, I, again, the uh, what what he is doing is leaving out all of the details of the bill, which, by the way, also protects our defense spending, which is something the Democrats were opposed to. Uh, the Dem Democrats wanted to cut spending across the board, if at all. What this does is it puts a limit on the increase in spending of one percent which means that that is actually a cut it yes you're increasing spending but inflation uh more than erases that one percent what else does the bill accomplish we'll get to what mccarthy says what the uh what the press says and what i think americans are going to say there's also we will get to the new entrant in the presidential derby with a difference, big difference. Who? We'll tell you. Coming up. 1-800-955-1776. Your daily dose of debate. It's the Michael Medved Show. And the Wall Street Journal lead editorial today has the headline, A Debt Ceiling Deal Worth passing. And then the subhead is, by staying united, the House GOP forced concessions from Biden. I think all of that is true. But will the House GOP stay united or will they end up blocking uh, the vote to approve this particular deal? The Wall Street Journal, again, the leading publication voice of the conservative movement and, yes, the Republican Party. The Wall Street Journal writes, divided government is rarely pretty, but sometimes it can yield good results. That's the case with a weekend debt ceiling deal negotiated by President Biden and Speaker Kevin McCarthy, which shows what can happen when House Republicans stick together. 
The deal is a significant victory for GOP priorities. In return for raising the debt ceiling that had to be raised anyway, Mr. Biden tried to jam the GOP into a clean debt increase. But Republicans forced him to the table and they passed the Limit Save Grow Bill. The lesson is that political unity pays. The deal lifts the current $31.4 trillion debt limit into 2025 while capping non-defense discretionary spending at $704 billion for fiscal 2024. That's a significant cut from the projected 2024 baseline of $757 billion. In other words, they're cutting for 2024 down from 757 down to 704. That's a very substantial cut. And uh, the cut is not coming out of defense and not coming out of national security, and that's important. The, uh, if the House and the Senate fail to enact the 12 appropriation bills by the end of this calendar year, all discretionary accounts are subject to a 1% cut. This automatic sequester would apply to accounts Democrats have disguised as emergency infrastructure dollars, etc., this is a protection against the Democratic Senate that wants another year-end omnibus spending blowout. The first regular order budget in years would give the House GOP leverage to win more policy victories in the negotiations with the Senate. The deal also claws back $28 billion of previously appropriated but unspent COVID funds, the bill ends Mr. Biden's eternal pause on student loan repayments this summer, saving $5 billion every month. Republicans gave up their demand to erase Mr. Biden's $400 billion student loan forgiveness plan, but the Supreme Court may soon take care of that. One can only hope. Uh, there was this today from uh, Representative Dan Bishop of uh, North Carolina. He said uh, uh, this about the importance of the vote coming up, where, again, the Freedom Caucus in the uh, House of Representatives is tr going to try to get more than 50 votes. If they do, then the deal may be in trouble. Uh, here is uh, Dan Bishop, clip 14. Not just that every Republican should, should vote against this. It's a little bit more than that. This is a career-defining vote for every Republican. Um, all of you guys know that thus far in this Congress, the dynamic force in Washington has been the unified House majority. The fact that we resolved in January on concrete details how we were going to go forward together. And it has, it has been impactful over the first several months of Congress. Imagine the decision of Kevin McCarthy and his negotiators to forfeit that. Okay, it, it was not a decision to forfeit that. Because it was a decision that, that Republicans do not want to wreck the U.S. economy and ruin people's life savings uh, and plunge us into recession. The real-life impact on ordinary Americans, hardworking Americans who are trying to save money and trying to pay the bills with this inflationary pressure and trying to hold on to their jobs uh, 
the impact of the default that Jan Bishop apparently wants. And, uh, and then there's Chip Roy, who is the other outspoken leader on this Freedom Caucus, congressman from Texas. He said this, this is clip 17, and alluded to President Trump's shocking and really foolish comment the other night on his town hall that he did in New Hampshire that we should go ahead and default because uh, we're going to have to do it anyway. And default means basically saying we can't pay our bills, that the government can't pay our bills because you can't, even though people have been interested, you can't just print a single platinum coin and say this is now worth $100 trillion or whatever you want to say. Uh, here is Congressman Roy, uh, clip 17. President Trump said he thought we should default rather than pursue this kind of lunacy. At the end of the day, the only person that would default in this town is Joe Biden, unless Republicans default on the American dream by voting for this bad bill. That is why this group will oppose it. We will continue to fight it today, tomorrow, and no matter what happens, there's going to be a reckoning about what just occurred unless we stop this bill by tomorrow. And uh, then there is um, uh, Congresswoman Stephanie Bice, who is a promising newcomer from Oklahoma. She's also, by the way, an Olympic gold medalist, which most people uh, who don't really follow who, who's new in Congress uh, don't know. She won three gold medals. She's a swimmer. And uh, she went on CNN, and the CNN host pressed her on uh, her position on the bill, which is a reasonable position. Uh, listen, this is clip 10. Uh, Congressman Chip Roy is a no thus far, and he tweeted that he knows of multiple Republicans who are also a no because, to use his terminology, this bill is a, quote, turd sandwich. What is your message to those Republicans? Have you spoken to him directly? You know, I haven't spoken to Chip directly, but he certainly has a difference of opinion, and he's entitled to that. Um, he has a vote just like I have a vote. And look, I think that spending cuts are important. You know, when Kevin McCarthy first started negotiating, he made uh, a couple of points. He didn't. He would not agree to a clean debt ceiling. He wouldn't agree to increasing taxes, and he wanted to reduce spending. And all three of those things are part of this uh, act that's being put forward. I don't know how a true conservative wouldn't support this. It meets all the criteria. Exactly right. And thank you. Another gold medal deserved. Uh, the White House communications director was on CNN named Ben LeBolt. He uh, spoke about why progressives who are very angry because the bill does cut back on some spending. It attaches work requirements for people who are, are not supporting children, uh, who are able-bodied, uh, who are going up to the age of uh, 54. Uh, it attaches work requirements if they're going to go ahead and, and get their, um, uh, their uh, food stamps and other uh, subsidies, other welfare aid. And that's a big victory for Republicans based on the victory back in 1996 with the Welfare Reform Act. We will get to that and to more coming up on the Medved Show. 1 800 955 
outrage. It is outrageous what you are saying. The Michael Medved Show. This is outrageous. And on the Michael Medved Show, uh, the uh, report on the uh, deal, the agreement, means that uh, so-called able-bodied adults who are 54 years old or younger. And by the way, this is a change. It used to be 49 years old or younger. Now it's 54 or younger. So there are more people who are subject to these work rules. If you're 54 or younger and you don't have kids and you want to get food stamps, for instance, the SNAP program, Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program, if you want to get that given to you by the government, you've got to participate in a training program or at least 80 hours a month of work uh, to receive the food stamps for extended periods of time. Otherwise, you can receive the benefits only three months over a three-year period. And that's worked in the past when they attached uh, and when states have attached work requirements people work and uh, and the point that Kevin McCarthy is making about this is this was something that the Republicans insisted on because it's uh, actually emphasizing work over welfare and giving somebody a, a job and uh, the, the White House communications director was on CNN and this is one of the aspects of the deal that progressives, people on the left side of the Democratic Party, don't like. But uh, he was defending it with the White House perspective. Uh, this is Ben LeBolt on the debt ceiling, clip 13. Well, there's a few pieces to it. The first I talked about, preventing default, is absolutely essential for hardworking Americans. The second is for members of the Progressive Caucus... Uh, who voted for all the signature legislation of this administration over the past couple of years that has led to the creation of 12.7 million jobs uh, and the lowest unemployment rate in 50 years, things like the Chips and Science Act that will allow us to build a semiconductor industry in this country, the infrastructure law, the largest investment in clean energy ever in the Inflation Reduction Act, um, those are protected and funded in this agreement. And so if you voted for those items... Uh, you should vote for this as well, in addition to uh, how essential it is to prevent default. That would have a catastrophic impact on the American people. Okay, look, he happens to be right on that. And uh, I mentioned before somebody else was jumping into the race who uh, I believe is a supporter of this deal rather than uh, of a default. The uh, headline by Maggie Haberman, uh, <laughs> President Trump's favorite reporter in the New York Times uh, allies of former Governor Chris Christie of New Jersey have formed a super PAC to support him in the nascent Republican primary as he makes preparations for a likely campaign kickoff in the next two weeks Mr. Christie's candidacy is likely to focus in part on drawing a stark contrast between him and former President Donald J. Trump that despite the fact that Christie was the first real Republican, mainstream Republican of national stature, who endorsed Trump in 2016. After the New Hampshire primary, where Chris Christie finished a very disappointing sixth, he, uh, he surprised the world by coming out and endorsing Trump. 
And he happens to know Trump from uh, legal circles in uh, New York City area and, uh, and New Jersey. Mr. Christie's candidacy is likely to focus on drawing a stark contrast with Donald J. Trump. Mr. Christie supported Trump in 2016 and worked with him during the transition and then his presidency. He was actually Trump's major coach for the debates because one of the things that Christie's very good at is public debate. And uh, he um, split with Trump in 2020 over Trump's claims on election night that the race was stolen from him. Uh, Brian Jones, who was an aide who was advising uh, Senator John McCain in his presidential race in 2008, and Mitt Romney's nomination in 2012, will run the effort for Chris Christie. Uh, also on the Christie team is Anthony Scaramucci, the mooch. Remember him? He was the head fund advisor, very colorful character, good communicator, who served for two weeks as communications director for Trump in the Trump White House, and then he didn't get along with Trump anymore. He's become a very vocal Trump critic. He has said he will support Mr. Christie and be honored to work in the campaign. A Christie candidacy is seen as a long shot by a Northeastern governor and a Republican Party that has been remade in Mr. Trump's image eight years after Mr. Christie first ran for president. He dropped out after coming in sixth in New Hampshire, where he had staked his candidacy, but was swamped by Mr. Trump and everybody else, frankly. A central challenge of this campaign will be explaining to voters his transformation from endorsing Donald Trump in 2016, helping him with debate prep and acting at times as an informal advisor during his presidency, to splitting with him in the earliest hours of November 4th, 2020, when he questioned Mr. Trump's declaration that there had been widespread fraud and that the election was rigged against him. We heard nothing today about any evidence, Mr. Christie said, as he appeared on ABC News. This is the day after the election. This kind of thing, all it does is inflame without informing, and we cannot permit inflammation without information. Since then, Mr. Christie has become a full-throated critic of Mr. Trump, talking about the former president's various legal travails with the audacity of a former federal prosecutor and describing him essentially as a loser who can no longer command the crowds he once did. Uh, his candidacy is being watched by donors who either like what he's saying or see him as the best opportunity to damage Mr. Trump, particularly from a debate stage. And like some other candidates, such as Vice President Mike Pence, Mr. Christie appears to be banking on the notion there are enough vestiges of the old Republican Party to which he can appeal. Uh, there's also another very strange decision, I mean really strange decision, by, uh, by Ron DeSantis. And the uh, way it's right, written about in the Hill uh, website, it says Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said uh, that if elected president, he will consider pardoning all the January 6th defendants, including former President Trump, on his first day in office. On day one, I will have folks that will get together and look at these cases. It's a thousand cases. 
who people are victims of weaponization or political targeting, and we will be aggressive in issuing pardons. Uh, he said that uh, in a radio interview. I would say any example of disfavored treatment based on politics or weaponization would be included in that review, uh, no matter how small or how big. We're going to find examples where the government's been weaponized against disfavored groups, and we will apply relief as appropriate. It'll be done on a case-by-case basis. Uh, who, what does he plan to gain by saying he would pardon Trump? People who love Trump, are not going to say, oh, good, we'll, we'll vote for DeSantis because he's going to pardon him. Uh, not with Trump strongly criticizing DeSantis, and DeSantis, as it comes up, is going to inevitably have to start criticizing Trump. I think what the secret is here is that uh, DeSantis and there are a bunch of other Republicans who assume the same thing, don't think Trump is going to make it all the way to Milwaukee. Uh, Milwaukee is where they have the convention. That convention is not this August. It's August a year from now. So it's really a long way away. And in between, uh, there is all kinds of legal hassle that Trump is going to have to undergo. The most serious involving Jack Smith, the uh, special prosecutor has been assigned to him, who could be prosecuting him for everything from the papers that uh, were kept at Mar-a-Lago and that weren't ret uh, returned to uh, fomenting violence on January 6th to wire fraud. And the wire fraud thing is based on the $250 million that President Trump collected to overturn the election. And uh, look, the idea that uh, with Trump still facing the E. Jean Carroll case and that going on appeal, and it's the Stormy Daniels hush money and this and that, that at some point it's going to be just too much and he's going to go away. Then DeSantis sets himself up by saying he'll pardon Trump uh, to be uh, the Trumpy alternative. Will that work? We will find out in this greatest nation on God's green earth.